It's time to hammer down and push your IndyCar to the limit. Elio Castro Neves wins the 105th running of the Indianapolis 500-mile race. From turbochargers to tight turns, we're covering everything that's happening on and off the track with the NTT IndyCar Series. Scott Dixon is a six-time IndyCar champion. How about that? This is Sirius XM's Brick by Brick. Well, it is Wednesday, so you know what that means. If you're a member of the IndyCar Nation, welcome to NBC Channel 211 and our weekly Coco Clatch and Harmonica recital, known better as Brick by Brick. Alongside me is my compadre, as they say, Tony Kanan, back from Brazil. Before we get into IndyCar talk, TK, give us the update. How did you do? Uh, well, welcome everybody. Um, <laughs> we, we had a, a like a, a very interesting qualifying. I had a right rear tire going down, and um, it's only a, a eight minute qualifying, so I, we didn't have time. Once we realized we have no telemetry, yeah. it's not you know it's none of the IndyCar stuff. So I qualified thirtieth uh, out of thirty two, which I was very disappointed. But when you have a flat tire or a tire that was losing air. I couldn't do much, but we finished uh, 14th. So oh, that's good. Yeah. yeah. We drove all the way up through the field. So it was a good race for me. I mean, getting more, you know, to understand the car. So hopefully uh, by the end of this year, we'll, uh, we'll be inside the top five. You, you know, we talk about stock cars here in the United States. Can you give us a, a, a quick Reader's Digest version of what stock cars yeah, you're driving it, in Brazil are? Yeah, it's it's not like a NASCAR, right? We don't yeah. race in the ovals. Uh, it's a tubular chassis. We have two manufacturers, uh, which is Toyota and Chevrolet. But it's more like the V8 supercars in Australia, right? We okay. have a sequential gearbox, yeah. 780 horsepower, um, a pedal shift, uh, no ABS, but a very, very heavy car. Um, so basically, they call it a stock car. I'm, I'm not sure why, because... Uh, Obviously, here in America, stock car means one thing, and in Brazil, it means another thing, which confuses uh, both of, uh, you know, when I when I tell Brazilians, Jimmy Johnson was a seven-time NASCAR stock car champion, they go, oh, really? So he races the same car as you, and you go, no. <laughs> so it's a little bit complicated, but yeah, that's the name that they gave it there. Look, I, I've learned over the course of many, many years that uh, things in the United States aren't necessarily the exact same things in your home country of Brazil, all the way down to something as simple as an AOK sign. But Correct. that's a story for another day. Uh, some of the news and notes. Uh, have you ever been to, to Goodwood and the, and the festival no, there? Never did, because obviously it's always during the season. I always have a race this year. It was, you know, I was contemplating. And then obviously um, I thought I was not going to race. And then all of a sudden I had a race. So, but no. But it was great to see, you know, they honor uh, Roger back in a race car. You know, I know how is great crazy. is that. Um, you know, I saw a bunch of pictures. I mean, Emerson was there. Um, so many of the the old timers um, and some cool cars too. Hey, that that's what it's it's taken on a life of its own, and it really is something that that uh, I think for racers and race car drivers um, is is extra special. But you're talking about Roger Penske being honored. You know, for a lot of our new listeners, we kind of we kind of dance around it. But the story 
of Roger Penske is a fascinating one, uh, all the way back to the Bahamian road races where he was an amateur SCCA driver and uh, the Bahama road race that particular year had invited a bunch of professional drivers led by AJ Foyt. And here is this young kid named Roger Penske with an acid dipped body on his sports car goes out there TK and smokes everybody. I mean, people don't realize just what talent Roger had as a driver. And yet the end of the story, or as Paul Harvey says, the rest of the story is he was offered a ride in the uh, Indy 500 and the Indy car circuit. But at the exact same time that he got that and earned that ride offer, he was just embarking on his career in the automotive industry with a Chevrolet dealership in Pennsylvania and the folks at general motors, they looked at it and said, look, you and I know back then the life expectancy of a IndyCar driver was pretty damn short. Yeah. And uh, they said, uh, if we're going to invest all this money in you, Mr. Penske, you need to retire from driving. Guess who got that ride as a rookie Mario Andretti. Wow. <laughs> how, how funny life is, right? Indeed. Indeed. Yeah. See, see, I got a million of stories. I love it when I can make you smile or tell you something. Yeah, I did, definitely did know. not know that, you know, and yeah. I know we've been trying to get Roger on the show. And uh, one of my questions was going to be, you know, why you didn't pursue your career being a race car driver? I understand that people also need to understand that. I'm assuming you probably can correct me on that. I don't think Roger was as obviously wealthy as he is now when he was starting. Oh, so no, no. Not, not that I, I was going to ask, you know, he needed it to work, so he had to choose to go to work instead of racing because a guy like Roger nowadays, you go, he could do whatever he wanted, but I guess he didn't come it's from It's not that Roger age. Penske. That's Roger Penske 2.0. Roger yeah. Penske, the original version. You know how, he, you know how he, he made money as a youngster? He would buy old sports cars, and then he pretty much, with the help of a few of his friends, would uh, refurbish them and turn them around. You know, we flip houses uh, nowadays. Well, people flipped cars back then, and that's where Roger got the money. And as I said, the acid-dipped body, you may or may not know that story, is Roger was always looking for the unfair advantage, even all the way back then. And when he would go to these local SCCA meets, he looked and he thought, there's nothing in the rule book that says that I can't remove the body off my race car, dip it in acid, get it as thin as possible, and maybe save seven to 20 pounds. How about that? Wow. Well, that he was smart or he is smart, we have no doubt. So, uh, I, and then he wants to have the upper hand on everybody. Uh, yeah. I have no doubt as well. So, not, Let, not surprised. Let's, uh, we're talking about how much we have efforted to get Roger Penske on. There are times when I think he has gone into the witness protection plan as it applies to brick by brick, but I'm sure before uh, the season's over, we will uh, have uh, the captain on uh, some of the other news. How about your buddy, Marco? I know I mean, for the first time and, and you saw the race, you went back and looked at it. He was right there from the get go. No, Marco's been pretty strong on the SRX series. I think, you know, sometimes it's funny how a series or a type of car or it will suit somebody's driving style more than others. And I think mm. Marco, like, I think he found 
you know, a car in a series that he's, I mean, remarkably good. I'm not saying he wasn't an Indy car, but I mean, look at, look at his success that he's having, you know, it's, it's, it's crazy. Also you, you take in consideration that he's not a lot of pressure. I think it's like, it's almost like, Marco had his monkey in his back and his pressure of being an Andretti for his entire life, right? It went from his grandfather to his father, from his father to himself. I mean, Marco is different. I mean, I know Marco. I'm going to actually be with him uh, tomorrow and the next day. We have Sage Karen's getting married. So uh, we're going to go there and then we're going to go to Nashville to race. So Marco is a different guy and, and, and he's more relaxed. He's enjoying it more. And I think the results are coming because of that. So very impressive. Um, I was watching the race Saturday night. Obviously, we'll have plenty to talk about. Paul Tracy, Haley Deegan, <laughs> and, and on and on and on. But uh, talking about Marco, I mean, I'm, uh, I'm not surprised because he impressed me since uh, the first race we did together in SRX uh, back in, uh, you know, in the beginning of the summer. You, you hit upon a very, I think, important point, and that is the, the sense of freedom that that marco is enjoying since he got that monkey that had grown into a giant 800 pound gorilla off his back and you can see it you can see it in the way he looks at life the way he's enjoying srx now i'm hearing um pretty reliable sources saying that there are some folks over on the nascar side that want to fulfill a, a little trial balloon or a comment that marco made and maybe uh let marco run a few races at the end of the season in the Xfinity series. Who knows? As you said, I will tell you when I got to visit with him uh, at the beginning of the SRX series, uh, you could see he was lit up. He's just enjoying everything. Now on the other side of the coin, our buddy PT. Okay. <laughs> what can one say about Paul Tracy? I think there's a certain uh, symmetry to the fact that, you raced against him. You know what I'm talking about. He was a bull in a china shop. He was overly aggressive. He was the bully, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, for me, a lot of people were surprised. Uh, for us that actually <laughs> known PT, I think the whole Haley Deegan one million followers on Instagram uh, got to know Paul Tracy like we've kneeled for 30 years. So. Yeah. For me, it was like, yeah, I know exactly what's, what's going to happen. I know what's going to happen after the day after and the day after and the week and every day with 400,000 Instagram posts and explaining. That's just PT. So funny, great for the series. Um, I think, you know, especially when you talk about short track racing with fenders, I mean, at some point, everybody's going to get mad at each other. I mean, it, it's just the way it is. But uh I mean, you guys saw it. We talked about it, Jack. I mean, how how funny, you know, people don't probably don't realize PT is fifty. I don't know how fifty two. Yeah, he's in his mid fifties. Yeah, mid fifties. And Haley's nineteen. So I guess I'll let you tell the story, Jack. But they had a there, there was a little there was a little conversation caught on the social media uh, after the race where. Where Haley went in there, you know, in the SRX, you share trailers where you can get cool and you can hang out. And Haley's in there and Paul comes in and she says, hey, listen, uh, I, I didn't purposefully try to park you. I had the line. I was up against your door. I didn't move you. 
you came down and it's a racing accident. And, you know, Paul's frustrated. Let's face it. Uh, he has been involved in every race. Heat races included TK in some sort of a yellow flag that involved him and whether it was Ernie Francis or, well, the list is endless. I don't think he's tangled with you yet. Uh, well, no, we actually uh, kind of we kind of <laughs> respect each other. And I think Paul is kind of like that. I mean, to be honest, in my opinion, you guys saw my incidents with Francis Jr. So I, I was actually well, enjoying yeah. quite a bit what PT was doing <laughs> to him, to be honest with you. But, you know, it, it, to me, Jack, what's funny is people that don't know PT, the sweetest guy you can oh, yeah. possibly oh, yeah. talk to outside of a race car. And we talked about that on the other show. But then in the race car, there is just something different about him. And then love it or hate him. Um, I think, it, ironically, right? And those are the comments that he's getting. Ironically, he's done what happened to him. He's done that his entire career to, to all others. People. Yeah, it's the symmetry I'm talking about. Correct. Exactly. Then, 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 like, dude, just relax because you've done that for 30 years. <laughs> now you got one race that people are doing that to you, getting mad. Just realize what you've done. Have a laugh. And go on, you know. Live, live by, live by the cliche. Karma's a bitch. <laughs> okay, <laughs> correct. It takes it took thirty years, but he's getting it. Well, let me finish the Haley Deegan situation. So afterwards, Haley is, you know, very nicely, and she's effervescent and bubbly, as you know. And she, and Paul looks down and says, "So, whenever somebody gets up inside of me, uh, up to my door and parks me, I'm supposed to just take it." And he storms off. Now, this is all cat and poor Deegan. She just wants to get along. You know what I mean? She's racing with a lot of people and she's loving every minute. She looks in the camera and says, what did he want me to do? He's 250 pounds and he's my father's age. Okay. I mean, you know, and that, that is like, which is, I mean, like I said, she's 19. I'm pretty yeah. sure I could be her dad. Yeah, you know, so, a lot, uh, man. I could be a grandfather, probably am. Hey, <laughs> listen, we got a heck of a show today. We, I know we've kind of strayed off the reservation in terms of IndyCar news and notes, but there's a reason why. This is the summer break, and a lot of people look at it and say, why so long? Well, keep in mind, folks, that NBC, the television partner for IndyCar, uh, has shipped everybody, Lee Diffie included, over to Japan for the Tokyo Olympics. So while it is due to scheduling conflicts on television, it's also a great opportunity for these IndyCar teams to regroup and get ready for the stretch drive. But some teams, TK, are already taking a look down the road to 2022. Uh, Tuesday after the Mid-Ohio race, um, AJ Foyt's team tested uh, Tatiana uh, Calderon. Calderon. Yeah. yeah. And the early reports are that she really did well in the car so much so that Larry has admitted that she's one of the candidates to be on the team next season. What do you think? I think it's great to, I mean, I heard, I talked to the guys there. I mean, uh, I know everybody there obviously, but uh, she did an awesome job. I think Larry's trying to, you know, grow to a three car team. Uh, I think for her, um, you know, with the diversity, it's very appealing. You know, you, so we saw what Simona did. Yeah. Um, you know, 
uh, doing the 500 with Beth, the whole woman's team. So I think for Larry also, financially, it will be beneficial to add a car, especially if it's fully paid. You know, once you add a car to your program like that, it helps the other cars. So, I mean, with her talent and the exposure, I think it's a great move. Now, you know, I think they, in my opinion, they have bigger a bigger fish to fry uh, before they actually trying to add cars to that team. But that's just my opinion, you know. No, and and look, that's part of the part of the challenge that Larry Foyt continues to face over there at AJ Foyt Racing. Uh, but you mentioned 2022, or I mentioned 2022, still hearing a lot of rumblings. Uh, the early expectations are by the time you and I get to Nashville with our special presentations here on Sirius XM, that uh, Meyer Shank Racing will have finalized their plans for 2022 involving your buddy elio and yeah, i mean things. which is qu- quite it's obvious gonna yeah. happen. uh but ray hall letterman lanigan trying to expand to a three-car team and there are some free agents out there so yeah i mean the market is gonna get crazy i think um you know that is hunter rain hinchcliffe looking for a ride uh for sure Mm-hmm. I mean, or for a sponsor or a ride. I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm not saying they can't stay there, but Michael was extremely vocal about that. I'll go even further. Obviously, Elio is getting a full-time ride with Michael Shank. Uh, Pagino. I think Pagino is going to end up on a third car at Aerosmith, in my opinion. it's His contract is up. Roger is not the type of guy that waits this long to renew people. I mean, he likes to do it right after the 500. Simon has not been renewed. Simon has a, an awesome relationship with the Arrow people for some reason. And then obviously he raced for Sam in the past. Then we have the third car at Ray Hall. We have some guys like Ferrucci trying to come back in. Um, you know, Grosjean's probably going to stay another year. Jimmy is getting the handle and try, he's going to, he's going to test in the oval action the end this month to try to do the 500. It's going to be a lot of moving pieces on the Ray Hall thing. Uh, they've been trying to do that for years. Um, I actually had a, a very extensive conversation at the end of last year before the Ganassi deal came up to me and Bobby was already trying to get me to do what I'm doing now with somebody else. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I know every year they say the same thing. They've been trying for probably five years. Obviously, uh, you know, I'm not saying it's not going to happen, but Bobby is very business oriented, as you know. If the money is not right, he's not going to do it. And it's right nowadays, it's hard to find $8 million to do it. And yet, it may get a little more attractive. Uh, if you look at the uh, growth numbers of the television coverage of the NTT IndyCar series, it's not on the uptick, it's on the upswing. What do you expect when you see the type of racing that we've witnessed up until this summer break? Okay. Well, here's the deal. Coming up next, we cannot get enough of the Big Machine Music City Grand Prix. This time around, we're going to visit with Chris Parker, who is the Music City GP president. Continue to drill down into this incredible festival of entertainment and high-speed action over a freaking bridge. I can't believe it. And then, TK, get ready, because we're going to have a little little fun in our final segment. Always. You know... You know the game Truth or Dare, right? Of course. I played that. I mean, I've, I've learned that in, in America, but yes, my wife, when she was my girlfriend, <laughs> played that. Now I play with my kids. <laughs> well, we're not going to play quite Truth or Dare, but it's going to be me grilling you 
in rapid response with DNAs. Oh, really? Okay. All, All right. right. And, and you know what? And I'll give you the opportunity maybe at the end. Maybe. Maybe. Time permitting. To okay. do the same thing to me. Questions okay. and answers with Tony Kanan. That's all on this week's episode of Brick by Brick. So let's get to it, shall we? Let's light this candle. After you listen to these messages, it will be time for Chris Parker for Big Machine Music City Grand Prix president to visit with yours truly, Jack Aroot, and my partner, Tony Kanan. Coming up next. President for the Big Machine Music City GP, Chris Parker is in the house. As of today, all is well and we're mm. on plan. <laughs> and I think that we're doing a tremendous job. We've got a ton of people that really are passionate about the success of this, not just because of the motorsports component, but because of the music and the festival atmosphere. And because we live here, right? I mean, at the end of the day, we, we want to be proud of the event that we put on here in Nashville. Quick pit stop, and then we're back on the track. This, this is Sirius XM's Brick by Brick on NBC Sports Audio Channel 211. Sirius XM Town Hall with IndyCar racing legend Elio Castroneves is available right now on the SXM app. Coming off winning his record-tying fourth Indianapolis 500, Elio sat down with host Pat McAfee for a candid discussion about his illustrious career. Elio Castroneves joins the four-time winner's club. Check out the Sirius XM Town Hall with Elio Castroneves whenever you want with the SXM app. Free for most subscribers. Download it today and search IndyCar. This is Sirius XM's Brick by Brick. Back with you. I'm Jack Root. He's Tony Kanan and TK. Look, uh, it, it's it's beginning like a little snowball at the top of uh, Mount Everest. It's about halfway down. It's become a giant snowball about to become an avalanche. What I'm talking about is the first time ever for IndyCars not to race in Nashville because they've been on the oval outside of Nashville. Yeah, Tennessee. I have a, I have a guitar from there. That's right. But for the very very first time, to race through the streets of downtown Nashville, and to talk a little bit more about it, he is the uh, Grand Prix president for the Big Machine Music City GP. Chris Parker is in the house. Hey, Chris, thanks a lot for joining us. Uh, time to light the candle. I think the fuse has already been lit. We just under the countdown clock until after the Olympics, eh? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the fuse is lit and the fuse is burning faster than, uh, than than we can keep up right now. So I'm chasing the fuse these days. So that's a that's a good problem to have. Chris, obviously, uh, we, we, we all know, uh, you know, between the three of us here, what it takes to put a, a Grand Prix together. But how is the planning process going? I mean, obviously, there is always there's a plan. And you have to have a backup plan and a backup plan to the backup plan. So <laughs> how, how is it going? So, so you know what, TK? I think in general, it's, it is going really, really well. And I think that we are largely still on the plan, right? But to your point, first year event, you got to have a, you got to have a backup plan, best laid plans. You know, there's always an amendment to the, uh, you know, to the plan, um, Generally speaking, though, I think we're really in a in a good place. We started track construction on Sunday night. We've actually completed uh, almost the entirety of the bridge with both with both block and catch fence. Um, and then we have started to uh, to lay out uh, going towards Nissan Stadium in that area. 
again, you know, we're working with the city very closely. We're working with the Titans and Nissan Stadium very closely. So our plan from an infrastructure standpoint is going along pretty well. You know, knock on wood, we need good weather. Knock on wood, you know, everything has to come together in order to fit the schedule in because it's tight because Garth Brooks performs right before our event, the Sunday, excuse me, the Saturday before um, the Big Machine Grand Prix move-in. So all, as of today, all is well and we're mm. on plan. <laughs> Chris, let me, let me circle back to the biggest topic of conversation, the biggest buzz, and that's the War Memorial Bridge. Mm-hmm. We're talking about the, the fencing, et cetera. Um, explain to me, is the bridge going to actually be two straightaways? Is it going to be coming and going? It is. It is. Oh, so gee whiz. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So you, you come out of turn three, um, which is uh, uh, right off of the Nissan Stadium campus and, and where mm-hmm. folks will either exit from uh, uh, Pit Road. Uh, you'll come out of turn three and you will run uh, towards downtown. So you'll be running west, essentially, at that point in time. And then once you get to the other side and do a little bit of an up and around, uh, then you will come back heading east uh, across the water again. And then that eastbound straightaway is the longest on the IndyCar circuit this year. And so wow. once you get past that um, interchange by turn three, uh, Tony Cotman, I think that you guys have talked to before, uh, he thinks that it will be, it will expand to four, potentially four or five wide uh, at that point. And then it's a 90 degree turn into turn nine. And he thinks somewhere in there, the, the speeds would be, you know, high 190s approach oh. 200, and then a hard break in a 90 degree turn into turn nine. So that is oh, well. the marquee turn, marquee straightaway. So let's call turn nine calamity corner. <laughs> it's going to be wild and crazy. That's for sure. Chris, obviously, uh, again, uh, like just like curiosity, because those are the things that me as a driver, I never thought about it. Right. I, I would go to a track. You guys will build it. I would just look around and, you know, say, oh, this is, this is pretty cool. But it never really got like, well, how many people you get involved to build this? And so. My question is, how actually, how many people, if you even know that number, you have not just working for you, but like to do, to make the GP happen? Like, do you, do you have that number? Yeah, so I, I can tell you in, in a rough estimate, because again, I don't know the exact quantity that every contractor will bring, you know, to set up suites and grandstands and tents and generators. And then, of course, all the crews with all the haulers, with all the teams and then the sanctioning bodies. But, but the rough estimate is that there will be, you know, that Sunday through you know, Thursday, they, they, there'll be something close to a thousand people that will be playing some role in wow. you know, doing the setup. Wow. Some of those people will be within Nissan Stadium working for concessionaires, getting food and beverage prepared. There'll be people within guest services and security, but then you're going to have the tent vendors and the suite vendors, as I said, the grandstand vendors. All of these folks with 10 and 20 person crews scattered around a 45 acre enclosed property to get everything set up. So come Friday morning when the teams all come in there and the drivers all come in there and then the fans all come in there, 
you know, it's set to be open to the public and people can go where they want to go and they can go where they're supposed to go and they can see the things that they want to see. Um, it's going to take us close to a thousand people to pull that all off. Talking to Chris Parker, the Big Machine Music City Grand Prix president for the next event on the agenda, the event we've all been waiting for there on the streets of downtown Nashville. Nashville has grown uh, over the look. I used to go there in my days as the manager of Junior Johnson's NASCAR program yeah. at the at the old Nashville Fairgrounds Raceway. But it has grown into a very diverse city, professional sports, the music we all know about that. And I wonder how those particular communities are accepting or how they're dealing and greeting this newest addition to their entertainment. You know, Jack, I think you hit on something there. I mean, Nashville has grown dramatically. Um, mm -hmm. You know, it's a top 25 market in the country. Um, it is a very diverse uh, community, not just in terms of, of people, but also industries. Uh, you mentioned music, um, but also healthcare, massive industry. It is the state capital, so government is uh, a tremendous component. Center component. for Bridgestone, Firestone. Yeah, manufacturing, <laughs> yeah. automotive. These are all major, major industries in and around Nashville and Middle Tennessee. And so I think inherently there are lots of groups that are really, really interested in this because they are part of or they service an automotive industry. They service a, a, a consumer facing industry. Um, music and motorsports have always been uh, kind of symbiotic and worked well together. Um, so I think that generally speaking, they really have embraced it. The downtown residents, the downtown core has grown dramatically. Yeah. I think that most people who are moving into that downtown core, the good thing is they came from another major metropolitan area, like a Chicago, like a New York, like a Dallas, like an LA. So they were used to some of that, you know, that density and kind of that real buzz that comes from living in a downtown community. So they love it, right? They want and thrive on things to do, right? A busy schedule of activities. And so I think from that standpoint, people are really, really excited about the addition to this uh, on the annual calendar in Nashville. Um, but then more so because it's just new and it's different. And if you're not, if you haven't been to a race and you're not a race fan and you can walk across the pedestrian bridge, why not do it? Who did your people go to when this idea first was born to try and at least get a direction. Certainly your choice of Tony Cotman for, for the, the design of the racetrack was a brilliant one, but who were the people that provided you and your group, the, uh, uh, shall I say, the answers to your due diligence? So, so I think that there's probably two answers to that. One is specific to IndyCar um, and to the motorsports community. And then the other is specific to Nashville and kind of the, the, the government and sort of the municipal um, portions. On the government side in Nashville, um, Butch Spearden, who is the head of the CBC uh, Visit Music City uh, Convention and Visitors mm -hmm. Corporation, has been instrumental. He's been critical. Um, he's the gentleman who brought the NHL All-Star Game. He brought the NFL Draft, who's been instrumental in bringing the SEC basketball tournament, um, so on and so forth. Uh, the CMA Fest. So he really helped us find the date 
and work with the city to find the date that you know would allow us to have equity year over year over year. So this you know first weekend in August date critical to us. Several people within Mayor Cooper's administration have been critical to us. Um, Ralph Schultz, who runs the Chamber of Commerce, critical to us. Scott Ramsey, who runs the Sports Council, critical to us. Um, Toby Compton, who's the uh, former head of the Sports Authority, critical to us. So uh, no one person, but several people on that side. And then on the, on, on the motorsports IndyCar side, I mean, you know, all thanks to, to Mark Miles and to Bud Danker and to Michael Montree, um, both as operators of similar events, you know, the Detroit Grand Prix, but then now the owners of IndyCar and just their guidance, both from a budget and timing perspective, mm. but also all those things you don't know as a first year event operator. Did you think about this? Did you think about that? Are you prepared for this scenario? You know, all of those kind of um, role playing exercises that allow you to be in the best place you can be. At the end of the day, you still don't know what you don't know. And uh, first year mm -hmm. event, we, we, we would be, we'd be lying, we'd be kidding ourselves, we'd be naive if we said that we wouldn't make mistakes. But I think that we've got really great people and we've been, we've been helped by tremendous people um, and are gonna put our best foot forward to put an event that everybody, uh, drivers, teams, fans, uh, Nashville residents uh, can all be really, really proud of. Well, Chris, I mean, obviously I, my next question was going to be, what is actually your role into this? Because I mean, I think the biggest challenge you have is what we all have in life. It's managing people, right? So for you, what is your biggest uh, uh, challenge or, or your biggest role to make sure that, uh, you know, like you said, obviously mistakes will happen, but I mean, it, it, it is just the way it is. I think the event that you guys put up so far, look at the buzz, obviously big machine. It is one of my personal sponsors. I mean, Mark yeah. and, 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 uh, and Scott are awesome. They are a huge uh, contributors, uh, you know, for the growth of Nashville, not just on the music industry, but 100%. obviously with, you know, their bars and the distilleries and everything else. So what is your biggest role in this whole uh, event? Um, my, my biggest role uh, uh, day to day is, is to try to make sure that all of the pieces come together um, into some organized fashion. You know, we have tremendous people. And I know you talked to Jason Rittenberry before from an operations standpoint. Uh, we've got a great team on the sales and marketing side uh, and also our partners at the Tennessee Titans doing all of the the, the ticketing and the guest services and you know, many of the stadium operations pieces, um, but taking all of those and trying to put them uh, together on a daily basis and make sure that there's good cross communication, make sure that there's good problem solving, make sure that we are, you know, trying to, my expression is always look around the corner to see what's coming next um, to the best of our ability um, and predict the potential uh, issues that may arise based on because every decision and every reaction has a uh, has a secondary reaction. Um, and so we want to try to predict those as much as we can. Um, and I think that we're doing a tremendous job. We've got a ton of people that really are passionate about the success of this, not just because of the motorsports component, but because of the music and the festival atmosphere. And because we live here, right? I mean, at the end of the day, we, we want to be proud of the event that we put on here in Nashville. TK, let me translate all that for you. 
basically his job. He's the chief cat herder. (laughs) (laughs) He's in charge of herding cats. Uh, Let me let me go in one other direction because you just mentioned it. It's it's critically important, Chris, for the city of Nashville, the Nashville community to be proud of the event. We've talked about the early lead in the way you've created the partnerships, et cetera. Is there one theme that you and your group are pursuing specifically for the Nashville community itself? Yeah, I I would say it's 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 two or three components, Jack. I mean, number one is that, you know, we are in this for the long haul, right? We want this event to be synonymous with other longstanding temporary street course festival type uh, Grand Prix, whether that's Long Beach, whether that's St. Pete, whether that's Toronto, whether that's Detroit, we wanna be in that same conversation and we wanna deliver like they have over time. I think the second part about this uh, is, is that we are, you know, a, a rising tide lifts all boats, right? And so, you know, we are an addition to an already very crowded um, calendar of events, sports and entertainment events uh, in Nashville, in Music City. What we believe is it's all additive though, right? Yeah. That we're diverse enough and that we're unique enough that we provide something different to the community. And then the last piece is, is that because we all live here is we have to be engaged and involved in this community. The, the event is a week or 10 days or two weeks when you think about kind of the, you know, the lead up, the apex and the, and the, and the descent afterwards. But we, we're here for you know, another 50, you know, 50 weeks a year. Yeah. So are we relevant? How do we participate? How do we engage with our community? And I think you'll start to see a little bit more of that in the lead up here about some of our community engagement and some of our um, community partnerships, because that's just critical. Chris, it's a, it's a pleasure. I think the entire IndyCar nation is genuinely excited about this. Uh, I know you and your staff are working hard. Uh, be forewarned, my partner, Kanan, will be in the neighborhood this weekend competing in the finale in the SRX series. Yep. Hey, that's well. going to be that's going to be exciting. I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to go out and check it out again. You know, all, all things motorsports is a good thing. There in this you market. go. So we're all for it. And I wish you luck, TK. Thanks, Chris. I'll see you over there. Thank you. And, we'll, and we will see you soon when we get to feel the new sound of Nashville in the Music City GP. Coming up next, truth or dare for old people. We're going to grill Tony Kanan with quick hit questions and maybe time permitting. I'll let him throw a couple at me. That's all coming your way right after this timeout. Coming up next. Would you rather lose your car keys or your cell phone? Oh, my car keys. (laughs) And take Uber back. With my phone. With With my phone. phone. (laughs) Quick pit stop, and then we're back on the track. This This is Sirius XM's Brick by Brick on NBC Sports Audio Channel 211. It's Q&A with TK. Tony Kanaan knows what it's like to win a championship. Let's hop in the cockpit to get the inside Inside perspective from a current NTT IndyCar driver, former champ, and Indy 500 winner. Now winner of the Indianapolis 500, my friend. Great job, Tony. Tony Kanaan, it's time for you to take the lead. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Tony Kanaan. 
Welcome back. He's Tony Kanan. I'm Jack Aru. You know the name of the show. It's Brick by Brick right here on Sirius XM's NBC Audio Channel 211. All right. Are you ready? Yes, sir. The time has come. Okay. Okay. Quick Be hits. careful because I get to ask you questions too. You so do. Just, you do. You know. Okay. And it's, it's they're pretty and straightforward. They, uh, and I will take it very personal. So there's look at this. Is I'm just doing my job, dude. That's all I'm doing. Okay. All right. Oh, let's venture off the end of the cliff, shall we? All right, TK, first up, what's your dream ride? My dream ride. Actually, Jack, I don't have one specific car that is my dream ride. I mean, uh, it changes, but I would say right now it would be a a Porsche 918. Mm. Does going the speed limit on a regular highway seem super slow? A hundred percent, but I still do it. (laughs) Maybe five over, five over. Have you ever been pinched? Yes, uh, a couple times, but I actually never got a ticket. I always got, uh, you know, the guy recognized me and uh, just let me go. Uh, yeah, well, we all we all remember the great uh, punk that Team Penske put on Joseph Newgarden when he was <laughs> when he was stopped by what he thought was for a traffic violation and tried to get out of it with free tickets, only to find out that it was one of those Simon Pagano autograph things all right let's move on um your favorite song my favorite song last dance garth brooks okay the the music that you want to play just before you get in the cockpit of an indie car um any country song actually it's that is a, a country song the most exotic vacation that you would like to take that you haven't taken yet i would love to go to africa and Mm. do a safari would you rather lose your car keys or your cell phone oh my car keys (laughs) (laughs) and take a uber back (laughs) with my phone with With my phone phone. (laughs) (laughs) a b c d or f Give your driving with the family in the car a great A, A. Always on it. No phones, extremely sharp. Four kids on a minivan, which is a minivan. I know. Um, A, like never. I don't do anything wrong when I'm with them. There, There is just something hard to comprehend or visualize. The 2013 Indy 500 champion. At the keyboard uh, of a minivan. I drive a minivan. Yes. That's too many people, man. It's either that or a bus. <laughs> Favorite fast food in America? Uh, Taco Bell. Favorite Brazilian food? Not in America. Uh, rice and beans. Ooh. Yeah, sounds good. All right. They're going to make a movie of Tony Kanan. Who's the actor that's going to play? Oh, come on. Vin Diesel. That was pretty. That was pretty obvious. (laughs) And the final question: Drum roll, please. I'm coming up blank. I have one, but you've answered it before. Okay. But I shall ask it again. Boxers, briefs, or commando? Come on, I already said that. Uh, I said. As a Brazilian, it will be briefs. We never go commando, and boxers for us are shorts. (laughs) Okay. 
That's it for me. Drop the mic. Your turn. Uh, my turn. Okay, Jack, what was, I mean, actually, I, I threatened you that it was going to be uh, something that, you know, embarrassed you or something, which is not true. I mean, I, I know you are, to me, one of the most knowledgeable uh, people that I've ever met about racing. And you've been around for so long, and I'm not saying that because you're old. What was, I know it's hard to, to, to pick one, but for you on your career, because you've interviewed many people, what was your favorite moment that you had in racing so far? My favorite moment, I, I think would have to go back to Bobby Ray Hall's win in the, in the Indianapolis 500 and all that went into it with all of us knowing that Jim Truman, the likelihood was with the rain delay that he wouldn't even be there for the victory. And then what happened in victory lane, that would be one, one a, and I think you can relate to this. I, since I was a young child was, have been committed to the legacy and the history of the Indy 500. When Al Unser Jr. won his first Indy 500, it just came naturally to me out of our friendship, he and I, when I said, you've just won the Indy 500. And in tears, he answered, Jack, you don't know what Indy means. And they always cut the next thing out. I put my arm around him and said, yes, I do. And he understood. <laughs> okay. What is your favorite food? Anything that's set forth in front of me. <laughs> no, actually, hot dogs. Wow. Actually, it's mine, too. Okay, how about that? Uh, grilled it. or boiled? Uh, uh, actually, uh, boiled. Okay. I, you like them grilled, I guess. I, I, well, I like them with the skin on them, too. I don't like right. those artificial hot dogs. Right. Skinless Franks. What are you talking so, about? So, okay, my last one, then. Okay. How many hot dogs can you eat at once? You know... You're going to laugh. Maybe two. Honestly, I'm not, I'm not Joey Chestnut. I'm not going to the Coney Island hot dog eating contest. All right. Bonus question for you. Okay. The first ever telecast of the Coney Island 4th of July hot dog eating contest has a connection directly to the Indy 500. Can you answer it? I didn't know. Definitely. Hello, everyone. I'm your host, Paul Page. Welcome <laughs> to Coney Island. Paul Page really did that. Yep. And after that, I sent him a text. And I said, if I ever get an assignment like that, I'm buying the gun that you need to then come over to my house and shoot me with. <laughs> all right. That's been about all that we have for you today. Quick reminder, uh, our executive producer, here on Brick by Brick is Andy King, our producer. Well, he is the one and only Nate Lee. My thanks to our guests, but most importantly, my thanks to each and every one of you. Quick reminder, if this is not enough to feed your need for speed, why not subscribe to my podcast, Jackaroot's Wind Tunnel? It's available wherever you download your favorite podcasts, and we post weekly. Our featured guest this week, one and only Paul Page, along with Kyle Petty and a host of others. For Tony Kanan, I'm Jack Aru. Thanks so much for joining us, and we will see you next week on another edition of Brick by Brick.